Father, as we contemplate this week, what it means that Jesus did this on our behalf. I pray that you speak to us, that you would reveal yourself in our hearts, how much you love us, what it cost to make us yours. Pray that as we start today with the triumphal entry, that Palm Sunday event, and as we Look ahead to Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday that you would. Uh, oh, a lot of us have been through this a, a lot, but make it fresh for us. These are the events that split time. These are the things that accomplished what nothing else could accomplish. And so beginning today, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us clearly and draw us to yourself through Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. By the way, there's a booklet you can get when you go out. This is a timeline just pieced together from the scriptures we have of what happened every day this week, you know, nearly 2,000 years ago. But you can grab one of these from the basket back there on your way out. But today I want to talk about what happened on on uh, that first Palm Sunday. And I want to start with something that happened not too long ago. Uh, have have y'all never known about people that mess it up for the rest of us? You know, maybe the the kid who couldn't keep quiet during silent time and every, the whole class loses recess. You know what I mean? All right. How many of you have heard about what happened in the San Diego Zoo in the past week or two with the father carrying their toddler into the elephant enclosure because he wanted a selfie? Have you all heard about this? All right. So this is the, uh, uh, the video of what happened. And you can see he's, he's in behind the fence where the elephants are. And he crawled over another fence to get there. And he's got his toddler daughter with him. All right, we have sound? Okay. Oh, oh. Oh. What was he thinking? Seriously. Who does this with your daughter? Oh, my goodness. And he dropped her. Do you see he dropped her on the way out? Who does this? These are the people that mess it up for all of us. I mean, every... If, if, listen, I'm sure the San Diego Zoo is under some pretty extreme pressure to make sure something like this never happens again. I bet that they're going to have to do something like, you know, the, the fence near the people. I bet they're going to have to build that up eight feet tall and put barbed wire on the top or something to, to keep people from doing things they should know better than to do. You know what I mean? People that can't control themselves, now they're going to have to find a way to control people. 
They're lose, we are losing freedoms because of people that cannot control themselves. And we do it to ourselves, don't we? We do it to ourselves. Um, it, it, it's, when you think about what freedom is about, freedom is not about being able to do whatever I take a fancy to doing, like taking my toddler where there are wild animals. Freedom should mean that I have enough self-control to keep me from doing the things I shouldn't be doing anyway. Instead of having to be controlled by somebody else. Now, some of you may be familiar with a man named John Stone Street. He's, he's an Anglican, by the way. Uh, he's also the president of the Chuck Colson Center for Christian Worldview. And he wrote this. What he's writing about is... The gun issue and Second Amendments and, you know, we need to take away guns because people can't handle themselves. And so he, he wrote this in response to that, but I think it applies more generally. Let me tell you what John Stone Street wrote. It's pretty wise. Listen, lean into this. He says, rights always come with responsibilities. People incapable of enjoying freedoms will inevitably lose them. Those unable to govern themselves will have to be governed. And he goes on. He says, to, to be clear, this is not a statement of what ought to happen. It's a statement of what always happens when a culture morally breaks down. The choice for any people, as Chuck Colson often said, is between the conscience and the constable, the police. If a people will not be governed by conscience, then they must be governed by the constable. The loss of conscience, which is always a failure of moral formation, will lead to the loss of freedom. Now, I think culturally we've forgotten this. You know, if you keep up with, with the news, and like, like I said at 9 o'clock, I'm not sure why I'm keeping up with it as much as I do. But it's a whole lot less than I used to. I just hit the headlines. But if you're even keeping up with the headlines, you're probably seeing a lot going on about passing of laws. Which laws will pass? Which, you know, where is it in the Senate? Where is it in the House? And these laws that will do either, depending on your perspective, wonderful things or horrible things. It is a symptom that we seem to be a culture that thinks the best way to get things done is by passing laws to control other people, especially if they don't have the same perspective that we do. Cancel culture says if you disagree with our perspective, then you don't get to enjoy any rights or privileges. And that's a travesty. We are trying to legislate morality. We're trying to control others by making laws and rules. And we think the best way to get what we want enforced is by having our people in power, whoever our people is. And in that, we are very much like the Jewish people. They, the ones that welcomed Jesus into Jerusalem... 1991 years ago, they thought that way. They, they, had, they were people, they'd been beaten up 
by other nations and governments for hundreds of years. And, and when Jesus came along, the Romans were in charge. The Jewish people weren't free. They were oppressed by Rome. They couldn't live or worship God without looking over their shoulder in fear. And the Romans, who were in charge, could do whatever they liked to them, and often did. You see, the Jewish people had this identity that, that they knew something should be different. They, they knew that God had chosen them to be his people. They knew they were the ones who were supposed to bless all the other people, all the other nations on the planet. They were the ones that God had said, through you, I'm going to reveal to everybody who I am. I'm, through you, I'm going to let everybody know how to walk this thing out called life. How, how, what to do, what not to do. How to be in relationship with me. But they didn't see any way to get it done when the Romans were oppressing them. So they knew that God had, had said one day he was going to send them a Messiah. Uh, uh, the, the word that we use very often is Christ. Christ means Messiah. It means the anointed one, the one that God chose, the one that God's going to anoint to be king, to be the ruler, to be the Lord over all. And, and their deepest desire was that he would come, he would be their guy to make all these things happen, that, that God's people would be, once again, highly honored. Like they should be. You know, when all the nations of the world would, would come to find out from them who God is. And they thought that the best way to make all these changes was to have their Messiah in power with power. He was their guy. He was the one that was going to get it done. He could force out the ones who were oppressing them. He, he could make the laws in their favor. He, he could oversee a growing economy. He could be the one that meets with leaders from other nations and the ambassadors from people all over the planet to let them know how they were supposed to act. And he could enforce it. They wanted a governmental answer with the Messiah in charge. And when Jesus showed up that Sunday, you know, that we call Palm Sunday now, because the people were like, he's the Messiah. And, and they would celebrate. You know, the palm was kind of like a national symbol for, for the people of Israel. So they were waving palms. That's what they thought would happen. They thought he would bring a governmental answer to enforce what they thought should happen. Finally, our guy's going to be in charge. And so that's why they were shouting things like, Hosanna, which means save us, deliver us from these God-forsaken Romans. Kick them out. They'd shout, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In, in other words, they're saying, Jesus, you're the blessed one. You're coming as the one that God is sending to be in power. And then they yell, blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. You know, they had an ancestor a thousand years before named David. He was perhaps their greatest king. And they expected that a descendant of David would be the Messiah and that he'd make everything like David had it. David never lost a battle. They, they beat all of their enemies. 
Anybody who would fight them, they'd conquer. And they had peace and prosperity. And they, they thought that the Messiah was going to do that again. Because he'd have enough power to do it. And then they'd shout, Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna, save us. Save us, you who are in the highest. God, you're above all things. Save us by sending your Messiah to have power and make it happen. And this is the first time that people are out in public calling Jesus that Messiah. And for the first time, Jesus lets it happen. He, he, he agreed. He's the guy. Even to the point that when, I mean, the priests, you know, they were, they were kind of political themselves. They, they could read what was going on. They're like, uh-oh. If the Romans hear about this, that, that these people think they're about to have another king that's going to fight against Rome, they're just going to crash down on us. Jesus, make them hush. And that's when Jesus looked at them and said, no, I tell you, if, if you keep them quiet, the stones will cry out. This is something that needs to be said. But Jesus, who could have gathered all the power and done it the way they wanted to, didn't do it the way they expected. He did not bring a governmental answer. He did not make different laws. He did not take power and distribute it. He did, didn't raise an army to fight the Romans. And, and, you know, that's what those people wanted. That's the kind of thing we want, isn't it? We want leaders, our guys, to be in charge and to make it happen because those other people on the other side of the aisle, they're stupid. And we need to make it, we need to pass some more laws to show them they're wrong and to make this happen and, you know, find ways to enforce it with police and military if we need to. But just like Jesus didn't do that then, he doesn't do it now. There's a problem with it. There's a problem with trying to answer our, 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 what's wrong in the world that way. And the problem is, making laws doesn't change anybody's heart. And the problem is with our hearts more than the problem is in what we do or what you can force me to do. The problem is in here. And enforcing laws doesn't change a heart. And beating somebody in a war doesn't change their heart. And it appears that what God wants to do is to change hearts. He doesn't, and he could, let's agree, God could force everybody to do what he wants them to do. But he doesn't. He changes our hearts by coming to live in our hearts, by making our hearts new. He wants to win us, not enslave us. He wants a loving relationship with him. Now, listen, laws are necessary for any culture to function. I'm not saying get rid of laws and, you know, peace. 
But laws are not a replacement for a heart that comes fully alive to God and is molded and, and made by him. God, God had told them one day, I'm, I'm going to give you a new heart, a soft heart, a heart on which I write my laws so that the change comes out of you, not that you're forced into it. You're going to start thinking like I am. You're going to start wanting what I want. So the change will come when I give you a new heart. And it comes from the inside out. That's what freedom is about. Freedom is about self-control, not being controlled. And as long as you have a people who have the values that God wants us to have, that are the, the values that he has, that are the values that Jesus has, then, then you should have the moral fortitude to live freely because you can control yourself instead of having somebody force you to be controlled. Paul wrote the church in a town called Galatia, an area called Galatia. And he said in it about freedom, it's for freedom that the Messiah set us free. God wants us to be free, not to do anything we want, but to be able to do what's right and good. And he says, so stand firm then. Don't let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. Now, we have the ability to do all kinds of things, don't we? But not everything is good for us. Agreed? Not everything is pleasing to God. And some things, evidently there are some things that will even enslave us. That will have power over us. That it like it, it burrows itself into us. And, and we become helpless. Because it starts to control us. You've seen it. Maybe in your own family. Maybe your own life. I don't know. You've seen it with things like alcoholism. Or drug addiction. With pornography. Which, by the way, is almost as, as, as prevalent in the church as it is out of the church. And that should not be the case. You, you may have seen it in thinking things that are untrue and won't or can't give it up. Social media addiction. It's an addiction like other things. What are the things that have power over you? We've been talking all the way through Lent about being set free, that part of what we're doing by, by coming to Jesus, by finding out who he is, and we've been encouraging each other all Lent, every Sunday, to find those things that we're enslaved to and come to God with those things, asking that God will change us and, and that we can find Jesus and be set free from those things and make different choices. Let me tell you, when you come to Jesus, when God comes into your heart, when you're born again, when you recognize he's the Messiah, he died for my sins, then for the first time in, in your life at that point, you'll have a choice that you never had before. There are people who don't know Jesus, they're enslaved. 
They don't have a choice. But if, if you know Jesus, if you're really a Christian, not just in name, but because you know him and love him, he set you free, you have a choice. You have a choice because he's given you freedom. It's for freedom he set you free. So stand firm in it. What are the things that you feel helpless against? That no law will change in you. The government is powerless to make you different. What are those things? Is it, is it your health? Is it your cell phone addiction or your porn addiction? Is it alcoholism, drug addiction? Is it habits in the way that you talk? What you say or who you talk about? Is it the way that you treat people? Is it, what is it? What is the thing that you feel helpless against? Let me let you know, beloved, Jesus is bigger than those things. And there is no other help that can change your heart except Jesus, because he went to the cross. And we are told that on the cross, when he died, he conquered sin and conquered death. It is no longer has the power to enslave you anymore. Anymore. But you have to come to him to find out. You have to come to Jesus. When he sets us free, we can really leave those things behind. We can really live a life that's better than any government could ever give us. When we can self-control, we won't have to be controlled. So, those things that you feel helpless against, bring them to Jesus. There's no greater offering than, that you could give him than saying, look what I have created. Will you take it from me? And the blood he shed on the cross can cover over that and give you a choice that you've never had before because your heart is made alive to him. Let's pray. Lord God, I think there are those among us, maybe it's us, that there are things in our lives that, that we feel helpless against. And Lord God, it's our gift to you. We offer these things to you. Will you cover us in your blood that was shed on the cross? Will you set us free from these things that have enslaved us? In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh God, there is no law, there's no rule, there's no self-help book that can help us to step away from those if our heart is not changed. Oh Jesus, come into our hearts.
You are the Messiah. Not because you take power and make us do, but that you humbled yourself and you destroyed sin and death as a result. Come into our hearts, Lord Jesus. Make them new. Write your ways on our hearts that we'll come to love what you love and do what you would do and be like you. We are helpless without you, Lord. So we offer you our sins and we offer you ourselves. For those that may have prayed this today, oh God, would you have your hand on them. Strengthen them. Lord, bless them. Let them know that you love them deeply and dearly. That they're your own children. Fill them, oh God, with your Holy Spirit. That they can walk with you all the days of their life. And have life eternally through Jesus we pray. Amen. Now, will you do something for me if, if you've prayed that maybe for the first time? Will you tell me about it? Maybe later on today when we're having refreshments outside, will you just saddle up to me and say, hey, I prayed. Because I want to love you. I'll, I'll hug your neck if you let me. I don't mind. But I want to pray for you and anything I can do to walk with you. And, and there are a number of us who would do anything for you to help you walk in the freedom that Jesus gives through the, what he did on the cross. Amen. Let's stand.